Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. What would you do if all of a sudden you were offered everything you ever dreamed about, even if you didn't know you were dreaming of it? Well, that's kind of what happened to one Samaritan woman when one day she encountered Jesus at the well. It's the story we're telling in today's message, the latest part of our current sermon series, Encounters on the Way, and it's based on John chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. But first, some thoughts about uh, wedding planning. It really is kind of surreal. I mean, with everything that is going on in the world, you know, everything that has, has really garnered all of our attention, nonetheless, even now, life is happening. Life is going on in its great and glorious fashion. I, I'm aware in our larger circle of family and friends, and you are too, people are having babies in the next few weeks. People are planning weddings. Uh, they are talking about family gatherings. They're figuring out what they're gonna do this summer. I mean, this is, and I don't want to diminish the seriousness of it, but it's a blip on the radar screen. Life goes on. And even now, folks, I, I, as a pastor, I'm looking toward uh, a couple of weddings down the line. Some are the date is certain, others not so certain, but we're still doing the planning. And it's, I was thinking a lot about that this week because... Honestly, I'm one of those pastors who absolutely loves being involved in those celebrations. I love doing weddings, always have. And one of the things I love best about them is that I get the chance to get to know some of these couples on a very personal and deeper level as we're planning out their wedding ceremony. And uh, I've got to tell you that one of the very first things that I ask of any couple who come to me to talk about getting married is for them to tell me in, as they say, 25 words or less, what kind of wedding service that they're looking for. Seems like such a small question, right? But in fact, quite often, the answers I get end up telling me a great deal, not only about what we're gonna get into as we do this wedding, but also about the couple getting married. For instance, some want everything about the service to be traditional, strictly traditional right down to the let them now speak or forever hold their peace part. About 50-50 of people who actually use that. While others insist they don't want anything traditional. They want everything being decidedly non-traditional, both in the language of the service and in its form. There are couples who are very intent on having their vows be personal and unique to them. Some folks have very specific ideas about the music. My personal favorite was the bride and groom, true story, who actually wanted to have the song Achy Breaky Heart as their wedding the processional. I kid you not. And when I thought they were just joking around, they were highly offended. And I didn't end up doing the wedding service for that reason alone. Well, there are those, and then there's others who want to make sure that certain family members are involved in some way or another. I remember a wedding I did years ago where the, part of it was done in Armenian. 
because of the bride's family background. They want to make sure maybe that there's a particular prayer. Still another series of weddings I did included the same wedding prayer that had been written by a great-grandmother. That was the something old uh, of that tradition. Something, Anything that's special to these couples, anything that they would like to have, we talk about it. And then, of course, <clears throat> to be fair, there are a few who just say it in three little words. Short and sweet. <clears throat> What's interesting, though, for me anyway, are the surprising number of couples who, when I ask them this question, they look at each other for a long and painfully awkward moment and then slightly embarrassed reply to me, well, we really don't know what we're looking for in a wedding. That's why we came to you. <laughs> and when this happens, I always tell them the same thing. Don't worry about it. Because part of what we'll be doing in this planning process, in this counseling, in this sharing, is to work together to create the wedding that they've been dreaming of, even if they didn't know they were dreaming about it. You know, and I've been thinking all this week, isn't that a pretty good parable for life? After all, friends, there are so many people who spend the better part of their whole lives dreaming of something. And yet they're not even aware they're dreaming of it. They don't even know really what they're dreaming about. Now, that's not to say that most of us don't have an idea that there's something out there that at least ought to give our lives a sense of wholeness and purpose, even a little bit of joy on the side. Because I dare say we do. But the question always seems to come back to us. What is it? What is it that we're dreaming about? To put it in the language of this morning's scripture, we're a people who are thirsting. Thirsting for that which will give us satisfaction and fulfillment. But the problem is, is that most of us don't realize how really thirsty that we are. And we have no idea exactly what it is that we're thirsting for. This is not to say, however, that we don't try to quench that thirst as we go along in life and to do so by any means possible. I would submit to you that there is actually a number of wells from which you and I are drawing water continually. Water in the hope that we might find in that water what it is we think we need. Some of us do draw from the well of materialism, don't we? Spending our living, both literally and figuratively, at the mall, online, on Amazon.com, in an effort to buy satisfaction. No way, that song. I can't get no satisfaction. I'll get it. I'll order it. It'll be here in two days. <laughs> A lot of us draw from the well of human achievement. We try to pile up success after success in order to find fulfillment. And then there are too many of us who dip into the well of human relationship, moving from person to person in the quest for understanding and acceptance and love. Now, this is all good. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun, and it's appealing, very appealing. But you and I both know that inevitably, credit cards will get maxed out. Fame is fleeting. And all the shallow relationships we thought were so important, all they tend to reveal is a lack of depth. And in the end, for all the water we've drawn out of these wells, what we're left with are parched throats and empty lives. 
What we need, you see, is something more than anything the world can offer. What we need is something that we intrinsically know inside ourselves, but we can't seem to name. We thirst for that which will keep us satisfied and will keep us from ever being thirsty again. You see, beloved, what we want, what we need, whether we know it or not, is God. And more than mere platitude, we need to understand that's the nature of our humanity. It's in our DNA. We are born with a thirst for something deep and eternal, and we are crying out right along with the psalmist who said that as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. Psalm 42. On our journey of life and death, each one of us needs water to quench that thirst. We need what Jesus referred to as living water. And what we soon discover is the only one who can draw that kind of water for us is Jesus. Which brings us to our text for this morning, the one that Gene just shared with us, the story of Jesus' encounter on the way with the so-called woman at the well. Actually, it says a woman of Samaria. And it is important to note here that truthfully, as this story begins, this woman had come to that well in the midst of the midday heat, not looking for anything else but water. And not living water, certainly, nor anything else out of the ordinary. She was just looking for some water for that day's drinking, cooking, and cleaning. And yet, it should be said, it was an odd time for her to be at the well, as most of the women in that village would go to draw water early in the morning. But then again, this particular woman wasn't like the others. You see, what we do know about this woman at the well is that she was, well, different. Different in that she was an outcast from polite society. Different in that she knowing that wherever you go and whatever you do, people are going to notice and not in a good way. This Samaritan woman knew what it was like to be gossiped about, you see. She understood how it felt to be degraded and dismissed by all those around and to always, always have this aching, awful feeling of lifelessness and an empty heart. Once again, you see, on this particular day, she wasn't looking for answers. She wasn't seeking relief. This was just another day, and all she wanted was the water. And so she couldn't have anticipated this conversation with a stranger who not only seemed to know everything she'd ever done, but also seemed to understand what it was she really needed. And yet, because of this conversation, this encounter she had with Jesus that day, Everything for her changed forever. Give me a drink, Jesus says. And what follows is one of the longest and richest dialogues that we have in the Gospels. And in a little bit more background here, the fact that they're even having this conversation at all is amazing in and of itself because 
Jesus is a Jew and the woman is a Samaritan. And as John is quick to point out, Jews and Samaritans don't share things in common. In other words, they don't get along all that well. But you see, that's only one boundary that Jesus tears down. Jesus immediately starts talking about the gift of God and who it was that was asking her to drink and how he could give her living water, which was, he said, which would, he said, become in her a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. What's fascinating about all of this is that even as Jesus is speaking, even as the first part of this conversation is going on, the woman's still assuming he's simply referring to water, another well somewhere, a fresh spring hole in which she could draw water. But of course, what Jesus is referring to is something much more personal than that, something greater and deeper than she could even begin to understand, something even more than she could begin to articulate. I love in this passage, how there's even a little bit of humor in it. You know, that whole exchange about her having no husband, when in reality she's had five husbands and then there's another one waiting in the wings. And she says, sir, I see that you are a prophet. And, and you, you've got to know that all through this talk, she's thinking, who is this man? What is he talking about? How does he know so much about me? So she may not have wholly understood, but make no mistake, Jesus' words have already had a profound effect on her. In fact, if you read onward in this fourth chapter of gone from, from John, where we read this morning, you will find that she starts to understand, to see that perhaps there is more. More to be desired, more to be sought after in life. More that offers her true satisfaction and fulfillment than she'd ever imagined before. She ends up going out there and telling everybody she knows and doesn't know about this man, Jesus. And in the process, she asks this question, which is actually more of a statement and very telling indeed. She says, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? It's the thing you've always dreamed about, but just didn't know you were dreaming about it. It's that one thing, that one thing, what you were looking for, but never really had any sense that you ought to be seeking it out. It's that great question. You've got to have answered, but you, you've never asked. The water that will satisfy your thirst so that you will never be hungry or thirsty again, though you never actually realized how thirsty you really were in the first place. That's the story of the Samaritan woman. But you see, it's not only her story. It's our story as well. And the good news here is that the same kind of refreshment that was offered to the woman at the well can be and is ours as well, through Jesus. Jesus who comes to meet us exactly in the place where we are, who reaches out to us even though we feel like we haven't deserved it or earned it or are good enough for it, but who does so, so that we might have what it is we really, truly, wholly need. And if you're looking for a word to describe that, 
I would suggest to you that the word is grace. It is by grace, yes, amazing grace, that God extends through Jesus Christ, that we are offered up the experience of the divine in every step we take, in every word and thought that's shared in every step along our journey, no matter how unexpected that journey turns out to be. And we know a lot about that right now. As we drink from this living water that Christ provides, that is, when we begin to let our lives be fueled and nourished by that which God provides, that's when we begin to get a true sense of everything we've always known we wanted for ourselves and our world. That's when you and I begin to make the connections of meaning between all the seemingly disparate parts of our life and living. And that's when we begin to experience what we've always dreamed of, which is a life that's girded on the joy of love manifest in our hearts through Jesus Christ so that we can overflow with life, life that's full and abundant and purposeful and eternal. That's grace. And by definition, it is a gift freely giving. And may I say here, there is not a virus in the world that can keep us from receiving it as we should. And the best part of all is all we have to do is accept that gift for what it is and everything else about it, all its blessings, it will follow. Back years ago, when Lisa and I were first married and uh, serving a church in Maine, and when we were first homeowners, one of the very first big projects we did was to erect a cedar fence around a fairly large portion of our yard. Uh, Jake was just an infant there. Sarah was going to be born very soon, so we felt like we needed to corral our children somehow on a busy street. So we built this big old cedar fence around the house. And, and let me tell you, you know, I'm not exactly a handy person, but it was an incredible experience, especially as we dug post holes. And we dug them deep into the soil uh, so that we could make sure that the posts would stay straight and, the, and in winter frost uh, the, the fence wouldn't warp or lean over or anything. And, you know, with the help of a neighbor friend and I, we actually did a good job. But as we were in the process of digging these deep holes to sink the fence posts, with just about every hole we dug, and as I recall, we went down three feet. We were being thorough about this. Every time we dug a hole, we struck water. Every single time. And not just a little bit of mud, but a lot of water. In fact, it was pretty much gushing out of the holes, which was surprising to us because our, our property happened to be on a hillside and our yard never was particularly wet. And, and you know, I worried that maybe we'd hit the main pipe or something, but no. It, that was the way it was with every single hole. We could never figure out where the water was coming from. As it turned out, however, a couple of months later, uh, we had occasion to be able to view a hundred-plus-year-old map of our neighborhood where our house was. And what we discovered is that our house had been built uh, in the 1920s on what had used to be a, a big apple orchard. And also that back then there was a bubbling brook that quite literally flowed through our backyard. Now apparently at some point the water table had shifted and the brook itself had dried up, but 
Folks, the water was still there. Even though we couldn't see it, there had ever and always been this cool, clear, and life-giving water flowing just beneath our feet, just beyond our view, and we see just never knew it. God's intent, my friends, is always to quench our deepest thirst. And the spring of water that he provides has always been there. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't acknowledge its presence, it's always right there. Even in our rush to find something else to satisfy our yearning, even as we move desperately from one source of fulfillment to the next, even as we are lamenting the lack of any kind of fresh water whatsoever in our lives, in fact, God is still there, waiting patiently, ever ready to quench our thirst with the living water that's been there for us all along. And we know it's true. We know it's true because even now, here's Jesus standing at the edge of this deep and bubbling spring, a dipper in hand and offering us a drink. We're being called to that well even now. I pray that we will go and drink of this water so that we'll never be thirsty again. Thanks be to the God who even now calls us to this well so that we may drink fully and deeply. Amen and amen. And that's the message about the Samaritan woman at the well, recorded on March the 15th and part of our current Lenten sermon series at East Church, which we've been calling Encounters on the Way. Just to give you a little bit of an update, because of great concerns over the COVID-19 virus, like countless other churches all over the country, we've decided to discontinue our in-person services of worship at the church until at least the end of March. We will, however, be providing a virtual service via Facebook Live, and we'd invite any of you who would like to join us to come to the East Congregational United Church of Christ Facebook page on Sunday at 10 a.m. for what should be a very interesting and hopefully a lot of fun service of worship, at least electronically. I hope you'll tune in. If nothing else, we'll be together in the spirit of prayer and fellowship, and right now, that's everything. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And I thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Until next time, stay healthy, stay home, and may God bless you with a great day. And I'll talk to you soon.